my babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife. He is James Hardigan. Happy Mario Day, Joe, which is very appropriate because I have just purchased Mario Kart 8 Deluxe plus not one, not two, not three, but four steering wheels. Wow, you got all four. Wait, who's the fourth person? Well, the problem is they come in a pack of four. And there's three of us, oh, okay. so there's a spare <laughs> like in case one dog. gets broken, in case in a fit of rage one gets thrown against the wall. I I, I think you're the odds-on favorite from that, from yeah. the people in your family. Uh, coming up on today's show, we are coming down off the high that was <laughs> Danny's game. That's a high, is it, for us? I actually, I, I, that was one of the most fun shows we've ever done. I've got a little bit more to say about Danny's game, believe it or not, uh, but we do have some poker to talk about as well. There was a Sunday Million. Yeah. There was a Michigan Coop. That happened. There was a comedian. Well, there will be a comedian named Reese James. He has been streaming some poker, and he is on our show today. Lots I'm looking forward to talking uh, to that guy about. And this week's super fan is Haizam Abu Zaid talking face-off. Now, um, James, I didn't rewatch this movie, and here's why. We're, we're still, I wouldn't say in the midst of a pandemic, but we're um, in a pandemic, nearing the tail end of it, hopefully. I don't get a lot of time to myself. I basically have to, I spend like 20 hours a day with my girlfriend, and she's usually very game for watching things, no matter how bad. She watched Danny's game, she watches everything. I said, do you want to watch Face Off? And she is, she's like, you know what? Uh, I saw Face Off in the theater, and I'm like, what? Because my girlfriend is 29 years old. Face Off came out how many years ago, James? 1997, so that is what? 24 years ago? Yeah. So my girlfriend has had one of these parents that would take her to R-rated movies as like a six or seven-year-old. And she was like, I remember being like fairly traumatized by this movie. I would rather not rewatch it. And I was like, well, fair enough. You've been a good sport about everything else. So I I think I'm going to do fine. In the super fan quiz, because yeah, I, I, I should have made her confront her fears and forced her to watch it, <laughs> kind of Clockwork I mean, I, Orange style, strapped to the sofa with clamps <laughs> on her eyelids. I just couldn't do it to her. She's such a good sport normally. So anyway, I, I think I'll be fine in the super fan quiz. But whatever, I did not rewatch Face Off. Apologies. I did watch some of Reese James's comedy though, and I am a fan. I have to tell you. Uh, speaking of super fans, yeah. Um, I'm not sure who we're going to choose for the We Run Bad book club. I don't have it in front of me anymore because I put it in an envelope. Plenty of people have now come forward saying they want to read this book. Uh, I'm, I'm going to close off that particular uh, offer these days because I'm sending out about five of them, including one to Slovenia and one to another country that I can't remember but is in a similar region and it would that cost me a lot of fucking money okay uh, to send books there so um the the author john curry is gonna owe me a mention <laughs> in his next novel because i just I, i'm responsible I mean, for about six or seven copies of this thing this isn't a new book right so he should hopefully be experiencing a surge in sales as we move towards it is a new doing book. 
Um, I mean, relatively new. It's a couple of years it's been on the shelves. So Is I it? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind oh. of feel that he definitely will experience a spike in sales, which I hope he will realize can be attributed to us picking it to be our book club novel, our first ever proper book club session, uh, which we'll be doing in May. Regarding choice of superfan, I do know, Joe, from what I've seen on Twitter, that a lot of the people who are asking for a copy of the book have already appeared on this podcast as superfans, so aren't eligible. But give me the names of everyone, and I'm sure that there'll be someone down there who can come on the show to compete for prizes, who is a a first-timer. Uh, if you like. Well, I told him to use that new Pite hashtag. Yes. So if uh, you can't follow those simple directions, I don't know what, what to tell you. Well, I'll tell you what. Plenty of people have been using the Pite hashtag in the last few days, Joe, in reaction to our most recent episode, awesome. which was our breakdown of Danny's game with Lance Bradley. Uh, Moyak, for example, wasn't going to watch the movie but the podcast made him want to watch the movie. We succeeded. We converted someone. Yes, and Moyek was so upset about that that he hit me up for a fucking book <laughs> as compensation. So I've actually got Moyek's uh, package right here. I'm going to hit up the post office as soon as I leave. Uh, he'll be, he'll be fine, hopefully. Unless the by the way, I haven't read the book yet, so the book could also be terrible. Hopefully not, since the author is going to be on the show. Uh, Gareth Taylor asks, "What in the holy fuck did I have to watch? Deal." loser and lucky you can hand back their worst poker movie awards i think he suggested that this should actually get the lifetime achievement award when it comes to bad poker movies (laughs) and this is my favorite patrick james says never seen the film but still got some questions right in the quiz thanks to your in-depth discussion um that wasn't the actual super fan right no Okay, because they could—they actually couldn't have heard our in-depth discussion because the no. episode hadn't been released yet. There we go. Nice one. Um, look, I, I Lance got in touch with me and and reminded me of a of a trivia, a hashtag fun fact that I had looked up and just forgotten about in the whirlwind that was the discussion of Danny's game. And you remember how there is that uh, discussion of uh, betta fish. Oh, the Siamese fighting fish. Yeah, the really forced speech. But do you have any pet fish, Daniel? Yes. So the original name of the movie was Betta Fish. Wow. And first of all, I always thought it was Beta Fish. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the one time that Danny's game is right about something and I was wrong. I always thought it was Beta Fish. So when they wrote, when they said Beta Beta Fish in the movie, I'm like, are they changing the name of the beta fish to make it sound more like betting look i'm convinced that movie was one long troll so i wouldn't take anything from the screenplay or from the actor's mouth as gospel yeah so anyway it was supposed to be called betta fish uh and uh, i i I wish i had the answer as to why they changed it to danny's game but let me i i don't know do you think that do you think it was an improvement uh I think it's a wash. I think Danny's game, because people might think of Danny Ocean, it sounds a bit like Molly's game. You kind yeah, of get an idea for marketing of, of the universe that you're kind of getting into. Uh, yeah, like, of- look, they got Lance Bradley to watch it, who got us to watch it. You got at least five or six other people to watch it. So Precisely. if they call it Betta Fish, maybe nobody ever sees it. Precisely. Oh, just quickly before we move on, by the way, thank you to everyone yeah. who is using the new hashtag, P-I-T-E. Uh, we still do want super fan applications, by the way. We've got some vacancies coming up in future weeks. Got a few super fans 
booked in. And Joe, I'll keep you abreast of what you need to be watching uh, ahead of those quizzes. But yes, if you want to apply, use the hashtag P-I-T-E. Nominate your specialist subject. I know it's hard to keep track of what's gone and what hasn't gone, but I'll help you out and I'll offer alternative suggestions if you come up with something that's a bit too close to something that's been covered before. Um, But interestingly... Nobody tweeted a question for us, Joe. No one wanted us to run a mock this week. So just a reminder, guys, this is something we did on a live stream last year where we had really, really short breaks during final table replays during Scoop. We didn't have time for an AMA. We only had time to answer one question. So we ran AMOQ, run a mock. Ask me one question. We promise to answer your question in depth. So Send in your submissions, along with your superfan suggestions, along with your guest suggestions, and anything else you want to say about the show. Yeah, we got some cool guests coming up, guys. I know that folks who listen are going to listen no matter what, but I'm pretty excited about some of the things that we're working on. I'm not going to say who now, because they are sort of... uh They're flips, we should say, 50-50s, but I think we're going to end up with some cool stuff in the next couple of weeks. All right. Now, um, we talked about Danny's game, and this uh, next subject here is something we've been covering uh, for the last two or three months, I'd say, and um, I can't say that I ended up enjoying it any more than I enjoyed Danny's game. WandaVision finally concluded. No. We are not. fucking... We are not talking about this TV show ever again. I'm so angry. I'm so annoyed that I was so up on this. If you go back and listen to the episode we did with Neil Farrell, where we broke down TV shows and movies, we all thought this was going in a certain direction. We were all into it, loved the first few episodes, and it completely let us down. I'm so angry with this TV show. I'm almost tempted not to watch The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's how pissed off I am nah, with Marvel not, right look, now. They, they, it doesn't matter. It's just like Star Wars. You're like, ah, I'm so mad. But you, whatever they put out, we're just going to be like, please feed it to me. Please, Mommy, Daddy, Disney, just give us more. It doesn't matter if the last thing was poison. We're going to keep gobbling it all up like a bunch right. of fucking nerdy losers. Yeah. Um, Look, we were right about the direction it was going. We just weren't right about the distance it was going. Turns out, direction, yes. Distance was just a few feet in front of where it was in episode one. Yeah. No, it didn't go in the direction I thought it was going to. There were a lot of false flags in there, which pointed to an expansion of the universe that never happened. Anyway, um, I am fully into This Is Us at the moment, midway through season two. There are 83 episodes in total. Um, not, not once yet, although it is it is uh, a heart-wrencher, for sure. It is a very emotional show, and I'm loving every second of it, so I'll report back when I'm closer towards the end. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to rattle off a few things that I watch. I watch a documentary called Persona that I think was actually just a bit of a waste of time. I'm going to try to have people avoid watching that. Uh, I did watch I Care A Lot. I don't know if this game, this uh, show is on your radar or not. Is not this film with Rosamund Pike? Yes, Rosamund Pike, former Bond girl. Um, uh, I thought this movie was pretty cool. Liked it, worth watching. Uh, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but there's a pretty great lesbian love scene in it. So I think I can appreciate that art for what it is and for being woke. I mean, Rosamund Pike had the misfortune of being in one of the worst Bond films ever made, Die Another Day. I actually covered the junket for that film, and I was at the press conference with Pierce Brosnan, Halle Berry, and Rosamund Pike. And I remember both Halle Berry and Rosamund Pike coming out. And I'd I'd actually interviewed Halle Berry before for X-Men when that came out in 2000. And 
obviously a very beautiful woman, but it was amazing how it was Rosamund Pike who struck it, who, who kind of stuck out. It was like, wow, she was absolutely stunning. Yeah, she, I, I am. I would probably be pretty intimidated being around her, and she absolutely crushes it in this movie. She's incredible, uh, and this is the sort of part that we're used to seeing men in, I think, and it's really cool uh, to see a woman doing it. Uh, just a different take on the whole thing. I think it's definitely worth watching. Uh, right after I care a lot, we tried to watch the new Tom and Jerry movie, which why? of course is another one of the. Uh, what's that? Uh, why did you try and watch it? Because it's uh, because it's there. Like you know, All it's right. not a movie I would go see in the movie theaters, but it's free on HBO Max, right? So I'm like, why not just throw on? You know, it's a movie. It's me and my girlfriend, my my roommates here, and let's have a few drinks and and you know, watch Tom and Jerry, and maybe we'll get a chuckle. It was, I've not done this in a long time, James. We turned it off. Um, I'm not, it takes place in this world where the people are real, but the animals are cartoons. I mean, and, life is too short for bad movies. It's not yeah, good. So, it's not decent. Switch it off. Move on. I wish that I had done that with The Stand, which was nine hours um, that I found very watchable by the end was left feeling very, very empty, even more empty than the original, like the original is known for having not so great of an ending. And this was just anyway, don't watch it. However, if we're going to talk about things we're watching and we're into now. We, I've mentioned this once or twice, James, but I'm re- I thought I was rewatching Mr. Robot. Yes, because you were going to rewatch it from the start so that you could then watch the final season. Yes. And it turns out I fucked up and I never saw season three. Right. So actually it you tur- were seeing season three for the first time. Yes. So I'm watching like the first episode of season three. And I'm like, I didn't, I don't think I've seen this. And now that I'm watching season three for the first time, I'm glad I did this. Cause I would have just gone to season four. Thank God I'd you rewatched it. If I've been like on my own. Yeah. I thought I watched season three. Season three is so good. Season one and two are really great. Season three, where it's like putting all the pieces together, Absolutely. what happened in the in the gaps that you'd even realize. Absolutely, were the gaps. One, in season three is the one with Bobby Cannavale, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, Bobby Cannavale and the barbecue, and you're yes. like, uh, it, and and when you, la- so last week when you're like, isn't B D Wong great? I'm like. Yeah, he's pretty good, but he's only in like two or three scenes, not realizing that there's a whole season of this show that you think I've watched that I hadn't watched. And I'm like, it's like getting like this this little gift that I didn't even realize I hadn't seen yet. Sure, just just, just manage um, your expectations, because as I said to you last time we talked about this, I do think season three is the peak, and there's a little bit of a drop-off, but it's still a very good show, and I'm kind of envious. It makes me almost want to rewatch it. But as you say, we are so tight on time, especially this week. so much good stuff. We had not one but yeah. two live streams this week. Monday nights, we do the Sunday Million, as you know. Uh, and we covered that this week in the company of GJ Reggie, Georgina James. And I guess the big story from that Sunday Million was... Well, I can guess it did involve the winner, Horizon. But it was not the winning moment. Yeah. It wasn't even the final table. It was a hand that was played in the run-up to that final table. Horizon versus Spraggy, and it was Spraggy folding aces to what turned out to be a river bluff from Horizon. And I guess Spraggy 
inevitably feeling the pain of making an incorrect laydown in front of a huge audience, not just his usual loyal community and followers, but also people who maybe were watching him for the first time because he was making a deep run in the Sunday Million. Yeah, you know, like I can understand it, the heartbreak. Look, when I lose my play money home game every week, I am sometimes so upset about it that I lay awake. I lay awake in bed, like unable to sleep, just like raging and steaming. And I don't even have the pressure on me that Spraggy has of, you know, needing to win at poker, not just for money, but to, you know, no one's going to tune in to watch a terrible poker player every week, no matter how entertaining they are. Um, so he's got all this pressure, even more pressure because the audience is bigger, even more pressure because it's two way communication, right? Like that's something that is really difficult about being a broadcaster these days. It used to be one way communication, but now when you make a mistake or when you do something that just doesn't work out the right way, even if it's not a mistake, you get to hear from hundreds, if not thousands of critics. And it does take its toll on you mentally so for all these reasons you know Spraggy has got a lot more pressure on him than uh, than your standard poker player he was deeply deeply upset over this uh even texted me the next day um to sort of lament things even more and what i would like to reiterate to him and to anyone who may find themselves in his position i can relate to this slightly um, you know, because he said, look, I, I, I understand like it was a good score and like it was a good stream and it really wasn't that, you know, as far as financially, it's fine. I still made money, um, but I would like to have, you know, the the respect and the wins and sort of be regarded the same way as some of my professional poker playing peers and something that, you know, I feel the same way when someone pops into our chat, James. And says, when are they going to get somebody that knows something about poker? When is when is Lex coming on so we can analyze these hands? That hurts a little bit, right? I want people to think that I'm a great poker analyst. I know that that's not, but I know deep down, right? That's not really what I am. And it's not what I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And the same goes for Spraggy. Spraggy's an entertainer. Spraggy's a streamer. Spraggy has a job and his job is to stream. Yes, winning occasionally is part of that and does add to that. But what I wanted to reiterate to him and to anybody else that may have a job like this, it's your job is to broadcast. And if you aren't also the best poker player in the world or occasionally make bad decisions because you are focusing on being a broadcaster and being an entertainer, that's okay. And I know it hurts and I know it stings, but you're really, really good at the job you do have. And if you can't have this little cherry on top, I get it. And I know why it'd be upsetting, but it's not the end all be all. I think that's a very strong point, Joe. Um, we have got another Millie stream coming up on Monday. Finton will be joining us for that one. And of course, the 15th anniversary of the Sunday Million is coming your way. That stream is going to be on the Tuesday because $215 buy-in, $12.5 million guarantee, huge field expected. Going to take three days to play down to a winner. So we'll stream that awesome. on Tuesday, the 23rd of March. And then Tuesday of this week, so yesterday, 
in our world right now, we did this Cards Up replay of the MICOOP final table. So sadly, we weren't able to follow this live. We can't currently do Cards Up coverage of tournaments played in the US. Hopefully that'll change down the line. But what we could do is revisit the final table just shy of 24 hours later and see how it was played down to a winner. Andrew Nimi, who was in Detroit, playing uh, playing MICOOP, streaming MICOOP, joined us for that stream. And it was short. It was sweet, but it was a lot of fun. And I think, as I said to you last night, Joe, the novelty of actually seeing online poker being played in the US, albeit in just one state, was something yeah. really sweet. Didn't it feel different? Like, didn't it just feel kind of happier and lighter and sort of even the players and the way that they, uh, you know, I understand that. Look, most of the time we're watching uh, players when we're doing these recap streams, they're from Brazil, they're from Europe, right? Those are like the two uh, huge chunks. And the style of play and their regs and all that has like a certain feel to it. And I like it. It's got its own thing. But seeing, I don't know, it just felt lighter and happier and more of like sort of just, it, it, it felt joyous. It felt a little bit joyous and just a little bit of chat that happened and having uh, two of the final tables. I believe the two folks who made it to Heads Up were both yeah. in chat. They were uh, watching with us. It just seems like everyone is happy to see these states starting to spring to life with poker stars again, and not just the people from the states. Like we, you know, we had an audience from all over the world watching this recap, and they seem pretty ha- happy about it too. And I know that Americans aren't always welcome everywhere, you know, sometimes more seriously than others. But in poker, I think the entire world is very happy to see Americans back on the electronic felt again. I think the most interesting thing that I observed last night, uh, bringing this to a, a global audience on both Twitch and YouTube, was that understandably people didn't know what MICOOP was. A lot of people didn't know that Pokestars had relaunched in Michigan. I think that's fair enough. It's only happened in the last month or so. Yeah. But people were surprised that there was any Pokestars action anywhere in the US. And it's been, what, five? Better part of six years now since Pokestars launched in New Jersey. A few years since we launched in Pennsylvania. So I do think it's good to get the message out there. This is the third state where PokerStars has come online. So we hope there will be more. But right now, those three is a pretty, you know, pretty solid starting block. And and good that people realize that, hey, America's back piece by piece. Andrew Nimi brought up a good point, too, that I hadn't really thought of that I'm sure you have, James, and the smarter people who work for our company have thought of is that this this has the potential to be like dominoes, that the more states we see come on board and see how successful and how safe and what kinds of tax revenues online poker will bring in will only cause more states to bring online poker back. Especially when they feel that they have the legal green light to start sharing liquidity and you start getting that compact and that's when you see the revenues go up, the tax dollars go up and that's when you realize this is something you want to be a part of. So yeah, lots to look forward to there. And last but by no means least, uh, we've got a day off from streaming today, although we still find ourselves in each other's company for a significant (laughs) amount of time. Uh, We have got 
PokerStars Retro back on Thursday, uh, happening every Thursday afternoon. We did the first stream last week. And yeah, this kind of defied expectations to a certain degree. I guess you say the Asia Pacific Poker Tour, you think it's going to be mainly local players, or certainly you felt that's what it was going to be, Joe. But yeah. actually, you know, a healthy dose of Americans, a few Aussies in there. Um, we're going to be going to Macau this week and again i'm sure most of you will have seen the stream by the time you hear this podcast but again there are some familiar faces in the mix uh some players from around the world making it deep in these events and they have been fun to watch so far and i've every reason to suspect it'll continue that way yeah it was it was exactly the same as watching ben Wilanowski in an old ept episode it was just a couple of different americans who maybe didn't go on to be as well known later on but Similar styles of play, similar style of table banter, uh, just sort of a return to a to a simpler time uh, when poker was fun money, right? Yeah. Nobody really seems to. That's the best part about these is nobody really seems to care all that much about laddering up or or paying back their backers or any of the sort of modern day stresses that sort of keep people from having too much fun at final tables. These people are having a really good time and that I felt that. And hopefully the people who are watching at home felt that you guys should tune in this week because I, like James said, I was pleasantly surprised. I honestly, I maybe, you know, I don't know if this is um, my, my American uh, jingoism coming into play but i was just picturing a bunch of very quiet asian dudes sitting there smoking cigarettes and and pushing all in not realizing that um first of all not everyone behaves that way all over the world and secondly that this is an international event just like any other event poker stars put on it's so weird that you would come into it thinking that when you look at the early seasons of the ept which was overrun by young Americans, all of whom were qualifying on stars and winning the package and using the opportunity to win tickets to these live events to travel the world and see new places. Why should this be any different? Well, honestly, the only reason I thought that was because of my one trip where I went to Macau, where the majority of the tournaments were like that. Except, I mean, the one I covered was a, a, a special thing, but I was looking around the room right. at everyone else and of course it's it's in asia like you know it's full of asian people playing it didn't it didn't click for me that there would have been satellites and that people would have traveled those great distance also um there are lots of expats from various other countries who live in those areas you know we had the guy who is um who had been living in thailand who can yes. you know and that's not far the same as in europe you have people who travel from holland to uh the czech republic and the czech republic to london it's not that big of a deal i forgot that there's that sort of thing in my again my american mindset is oh my god it's six thousand miles to get to the philippines why would any english-speaking people go there not realizing that well that there's Australia, New Zealand aren't super far from there. And there's plenty of English-speaking people in the rest of the world, you idiot. Well, we've still got a few weeks of the APPT to cover, and then we're going to move on to the LAPT. PokerStars Retro happening every Thursday afternoon for the next few weeks. Of course, we did reveal on last week's retro stream that the scoop dates have been announced. Scoop taking place in the month 
of April this year. Uh, we are putting together our live streaming plans at the moment. I think it's fair to say that Retro will probably take a hiatus during that period and will then come back post scoop so plenty of retro streams to look forward to we are streaming so much right now and someone else who has been streaming a lot on twitch is comedian reese james who just happens to be this week's guest reese welcome to the show thank you so much for being with us today oh thank you so much for having me what the honor of a lifetime it's fantastic. I mean, I, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see this, but my dude's already decked out in a Poker Stars hoodie. Um, did someone from PR get a hold of you ahead of time and tell you to wear that? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, there's a Stars reward scheme where you open these chests. Some people prefer to go for the cash rebate. Some prefer to go for the charity donation. Those people I don't understand and never will. I went for the merch purely because um, at the start of the pandemic, I set up a sort of uh, a weekly comics game that I play with a bunch of other British comedians. Um, that's been going every week for a year now. Uh, and I sort of play much more poker than them. So I, my stars points sort of were going up and up much right. quicker than them. So when I got to turn up on that Zoom after about two months wearing PokerStars merch, I mean, minds were blown. It was purely for the laugh of that. And then I, I, I admit I've barely worn it since. But here we are, another opportunity. <laughs> I love it. I, I have to admit, I'm I'm insanely jealous of this. I've been working for PokerStars for a decade. I don't have a hoodie. <laughs> Uh, and secondly, this comedian's game, I got to hear about this. I don't know if you know, I was a London stand-up comic for a little while. I think in the three years I lived in London, I didn't even come close to the level that you're at. Um, and I assume not the level of the people you're playing with. But talk to me some more about this comedian's home game. Oh, don't worry. The level's pretty mixed. Y you'd be fine. <laughs> um, so... There's a, it's a, it's always a, it's just sort of like a group of friends, essentially, um, that it was just a WhatsApp group. I started ages ago. Where I was like, oh, should we, there's not much to do. We can't be social. Let's do a, like loads of people. Let's do a home game and do a zoom alongside it. Um, and it sort of grew and it's probably, there's probably a WhatsApp group of about 25 of us. And maybe there's a rotating cast of people who there's probably like eight people who definitely play every week. Yeah. And then there's another 10 who dip in and out. And then there's a miscellaneous four or five in the WhatsApp group who have never open that group who have never replied to anyone but remain in the group out of pure stoicism and loyalty <laughs> blindly um who don't understand poker at all and never had any interest there's a couple of people who played like the first two weeks lost and never came back yeah. and were never heard from again um the, yeah so that happens every week and the main thing is the league table people care about the league table a lot um I was dominating it. And then um, in a software update, our league table was wiped. That's what I'm here to talk about today. We need to get it back. I was ahead by hundreds of points. And since the restart, I have been, I have missed, I missed three weeks in a row because of recording um, a show called Mock the Week uh, on the same day. And I'm absolutely screwed league-wise. Oh, so if no. you can rectify that, please. Um, <laughs> We'll get, is it up to you? We'll get our Joe best James, do you people do that? on it. I, I can get Joe on it because this is absolutely yeah. in his wheelhouse. It depends how, how big your Twitch audience is, but I'm sure we can find someone who's <laughs> capable of going into your home games league notes and tweaking a couple of things. I'm sure that functionality does exist. If you wouldn't mind, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I mean, if, in order for me to continue wearing this merch so publicly, I'm going to need my league position back. So it, you, you is there a public to wear it in? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so clearly you are spreading the poker love 
in the comedy community of London. Um, what's what's your story then? How did you get into the game? I we used to play when I was younger. Um, like all my friends would just have that um, revolving poker set, that little wheel of chips. Oh yes, and then you could do that. It was not enough chips to play, and no. then ten of us would just gather around and then just play poker like that. And I got really into it in those days. And then um, on tour, I went on tour with a friend of mine, um, a comedian called Adam Hess for a while, uh, where we were both doing our shows on the same bill. And then after those gigs, we'd quite often go to a casino and play live poker for a little bit, but in like just cash games and very like fun player sort of drinking and, you know, splashing about essentially. Um, And then just uh, started playing online um, a lot more during the pandemic because uh, crucially I have nothing to do. And is that where the streaming started? Streaming started because um, in getting into it more in lockdown, I started watching a couple of streamers that I hadn't watched before. So I watched Lex and um, my new nemesis, Spraggy, uh, quite a lot. And then a few others, you know, Finton and people like that, who are big fans of all of them, think they're great. And then I was just like, oh, this is the only thing I watch on Twitch, to be honest. I don't watch anything else other than poker. And then I just thought, oh, I might as well. I might as well try and um, get some subscribers and subsidize how bad I am at poker. Uh, and maybe I can break even if the Twitch goes well. And then that's when I suddenly started playing well, was when the Twitch came in. Is Then then I started winning. I mean, it's the, it's the perfect crime. Do you think that it actually changed your game now that you had people breathing down your neck and judging every single action you made? It certainly stopped me lazily, you know, just watching something on TV in the background and then barely concentrating. Or like quite often I was finding I'd be in a tournament and it would be taking so long that I'm just like playing a video game and then occasionally looking down and <laughs> like <laughs> playing my hand, which is just like obviously a recipe for disaster. Um, but I don't get yet any kind of chat proing because anyone who follows me on Twitch is a British comedy fan. They are not poker fans. So most of them don't know the rules. So I can tell Fantastic. them what I did was great. <laughs> it's the best. So I watch Spraggy get angry and I watch Lex go, you don't know what you're talking about to his chat. And they don't. And I agree with them that, yeah, great. You are right. But one thing that makes me bulletproof to the chat pros is, and I said this, I think on the Monday night stream I did, I was like, you can tell me what I did was wrong as much as you want. It probably was. I don't mind. I'm not <laughs> playing to be a professional poker player. Yeah. It's fun. So if I just made a mistake, what I'm not going to go, actually, um, I've done the studying and I've done the research and that is correct mathematically. <laughs> I just go, yeah, I just guessed. I was guessing. Ace looks nice. I thought it was good. But the moment that I realized you'd started streaming was when you actually had a win, right? You had a four-figure score. Yeah, that's right. I won the hot 33. Best moment nice. of my life. Nice. I mean, I don't think Spraggy's ever done that. It, I mean, look, for a guy that, who describes himself as having been dealt the royal flush of life, uh, I don't know if <laughs> yeah, you yeah, that's true. remember this from your, your special. <laughs> being young, white, middle class, straight, and a man, uh, of course, being dealt the royal flush of life. It only makes sense now that you're also incredibly successful at playing poker as well as being a stand-up comedian. I mean... Have you ever failed at anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the, this is being dealt the royal flush of life and getting max value for it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> totally- uh, I failed at plenty of things. I mean, no one who gets into poker is going to be um, athletic in any other sense. 
So uh, this look, this PokerStars um, top is very nice. It's certainly sitting a bit too tight for me. All right, I don't have the pecs to fill this thing out <laughs> right now. Okay, it's not flattering. I'm hidden behind a microphone, thankfully. Um, so yeah, I've failed at plenty of things, but uh, that I mean, also, also that's that's one example of me winning a tournament in amongst countless other tournaments where I have failed miserably. I mean, I think that's the way poker streaming goes, right? Yeah. That stream in particular, I wasn't even streaming that tournament. I was just playing it. And it wasn't until I got quite far in, I thought, oh, oh no, I better stream this quickly. I need some proof if this goes well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Turn the camera on, put a shirt exactly, on. Yeah. I, and was this, but this part of the challenge that you set yourself to win enough money to buy a new sofa... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, so that's why I started streaming it because right. um, essentially, so I, uh, I've i just moved house in the last week and um, I've had, I, last time I moved, I moved house last about a year ago and I obviously bought a sofa on that occasion. Um, but I sort of just, I didn't really go and do the research. I didn't go and sit on a bunch of sofas. I needed a sofa, so I just bought one. And there isn't a worse year on record to have a sofa <laughs> you hate. This sofa is terrible. It has been awful and I've done nothing but sit on it for 12 months. So now I realize the value in, no, really splashing out and spending a lot of money on a great sofa because it is the most important thing possible. So I was looking up some sofas on some premium brands. I found this one arbitrarily for about £5,000 and I thought, I'm going to win that. I'm going to play poker and win that. Now, I did a couple of the poker... The idea was start with £100 and then bankroll it up to, to £5,000 to afford the sofa. I did a couple of streams before in which I... I got a deep run in a 550 like marathon or something. Um, but it was one of those ones where you play for like six hours, come 50th of 8,000 and win 50 pounds. Yeah. So it was like one of the worst case scenarios. I'd rather just go out immediately. Um, so like we had that and that was like the, the extent of the victories I had. And it was when I realized, oh, I could probably get a few hundred quid for the sofa fund here if I quickly stream this that I then turned it on because I needed that victory and I needed to do it on stream with the sofa logo next to it so that people in the chat wouldn't go, no, that doesn't count. And then it was like final table. So it was like minimum a few, like 400. And then I was like, I went into it just thinking, just take as much as you can, just ladder as much as you can. And really <laughs> get incredibly lucky. People were, people were playing. I just basically was just folding my way up and people were playing very loose on that final table. I love it when people say in the late stages, you know, every single chip does have a real money value and you're converting every yeah. single chip and play to like a, a portion of the sofa. Like that is a good one yeah. third of a cushion there. <laughs> exactly. That's the L. That's the L of yeah. the sofa I've just paid for. Oh, we're talking sectional here. Nice. Oh that yeah, means, come on. That means five thousand pounds. Yeah, I was, <laughs> look, I don't know. I don't know how much things cost in pounds anymore. But I remember my apartment wasn't big enough to hold a five thousand pound sofa when I lived no. in London. Well, that's what. Since moving this week, I have since measured it up, and that five thousand pound sofa is far too big. So, <laughs> um, I have essentially completed the sofa challenge by accident. Luckily, I also need a washing machine and a new boiler. So overall, we it's just up. the house admin challenge. I love now. it. It's the, the, the household appliance slash furniture challenge. We, we can workshop <laughs> yeah. the title, but but, but yeah. it, has, it, it takes the Ron Seal <laughs> approach at least. Reese, I'm sure you've talked about this a ton, but I'm I'm uh, curious about 
how someone becomes so successful at stand-up at such a young age. And I, my first question is, are you one of those few people that was just immediately good at it? Like your oh, first time doing the, the it. The jealousy and the bitterness is so inherent right, in your voice. Easy. Take it I didn't. I didn't even try stand-up till I was 31, okay? I didn't even take it. I, I tried it when I was earlier and failed miserably, but I didn't actually try <laughs> yeah. to do stand-up till I was even in my 30s. So, um, you know... For my experience, I tried it when I was 23 years old. I blacked out from how horrific and terrifying an experience it was and didn't go back to it for many years. So I'm curious as to what your early stand-up was like and if you just took to it right away or you went through that same sort of failure. It was like, so I I got lucky in that the very first gig was good enough to be encouraging that it didn't matter how much I died beyond that. Right. Because it was like, but I've got proof that it, I, this can get laughs. So the act was terrible, obviously. Um, the jokes were abysmal, but I don't know. There was just like, I, I was really encouraged in the first set I did, which was a ge- which wasn't even a comedy gig. It was just a general open mic thing. I was the only comic on and it was all emo bands. I didn't realize that when I signed up for it. Uh, I arrived. It was a bunch of teenagers were sat cross-legged on the floor in the audience. I mean, this is not ideal, is it? And uh, then I went on and did some kind of terrible knockoff Jimmy Carr style jokes, obviously nowhere near the standard, but they were massively inspired by the sort of things you would say um, as a 17 year old. And people took pity on me and I got away with it. And then, yeah, it was massively up and down for ages. And then, um, uh, I mean, the reason it, I sort of did a few things quite young. It's just because I started young and I didn't stop, essentially. That's the, that is it. I mean, like in terms of breaking through and starting to get um, recognized uh, and getting TV opportunities type stuff, that did come after like six, seven years. But it was just me relentlessly. I got lucky in that I started so young that I then could go to university. And obviously at university, I you know, you can just do stand up the whole time and not do anything else. I didn't care about getting my degree, so I wasn't particularly academic and like turning up to stuff a lot i was just going off i wasn't very social either because i was just going to comedy clubs and doing sets um so it was just from that it was just pure perseverance and then because you get that three-year buffer of not having to make a living from it and stuff and having all this time i then came out of university and was able to start getting paid work um and doing proper gigs and stuff and then you just it's a it's different over here as you know it's all about the edinburgh fringe over here right how you get any kind of um acknowledgement from the industry you go and do an hour long show at the edinburgh fringe and then you are in direct competition with everyone else doing that but then reviewers come and then producers come and it's just a shop window so if you have a good one of them and i was lucky enough to have a good first one of them then you're sort of set up to just go build on that essentially i I had booked my first hour for last year actually um at edinburgh so hopefully oh Oh, you cursed it yeah, was, <laughs> of course. Of course that happened. Perfect timing. I had an 8 p.m. time slot right in Cowgate. It was going to be fantastic. But hopefully uh, in years to come, the people have suffered much worse than me not getting to have an Edinburgh show, <laughs> namely my audience. Um, th- that makes sense. Dude, it's kind of like poker in that respect, right? Where like the people who showed up to your home game and got beat the first time never came again. And the people exactly, who play yeah. poker for the first time and luck box their way into a win are sometimes hooked for life and it doesn't matter if they were good or bad at first. All that matters is that they achieve that initial success. And that kind of gives you, if not the confidence, but the hunger to chase that success again. Yeah. You get that buzz early on and then it's all just trying to get that back. I mean, nothing really, I don't think anything has felt like the first gig 
did. So, uh, and they, and everything has been an attempt to recreate that. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's all just about trying to get back to that moment when you realized, oh, I can't do this. Yeah, that first gig is so important. And I think, you know, even though you were the only comedy act on, probably being surrounded by a bunch of hippies sitting on the floor was a, a, a good welcoming environment for your first time. When I take people to do their first gig, I always, it has to be the right mic uh, because there are some mics where people just want to see you fail. There are some yeah. places that people just absolutely hate first timers and bring some, you know, to, to have that sort of spot where everyone's laughing and, 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 and clapping along by snapping their fingers is, is probably one of the better places you can do it, even if you feel out of place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what happened for me was that my first three gigs were nice enough or encouraging enough and then went quite well. And I, as a 17 year old, that's pretty dangerous oh, because yeah. obviously the hubris of, of, you know, the hubris of that Royal flush anyway, but as a 17 year old, just being arrogant with my friends and just thinking, Oh, I mean, look at me. And then my fourth one was so bad and such a car <laughs> crash. And it was, it was, a, it was like a talked about car crash. Um, <laughs> that the context of that was, it was, I had done a gong show, um, the cup with like my second gig was this gong show for listeners who don't know what that is. It's where you go on and you're trying to last a full five minutes. So that's that. So people in the audience have cards they can hold up. If enough people hold up cards, you get gonged off and you're banished from the stage. So I'm trying to last the full five minutes. Now, part of my set that on that occasion was, Oh, I didn't think I'd get this far. I only have three minutes of jokes. And then I just like started riffing, right? It was all planned, but that was kind of the joke. The prize for winning that gong show was you get to come back next week and headline with 25 minutes. <laughs> now, obviously, that is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. So I won that gong show with a set about only having three minutes, came back next week with um, a new 20 that I'd written as a brand new comic and obviously tanked big time. Um, somehow, by the way, I overran, right? I did about 35 because it was going so badly. <laughs> and I was just riffing on how bad it was. At one point, I lay down on the floor because I'd seen Stuart Lee do that. Um, and I thought the reason that Stuart Lee doing it was funny was man lies on floor rather than the stuff he was saying and the context. Um, and it was just, uh, luckily, the gig was filmed. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely awful. But that really helps because then it means you don't just go, oh, I can just get away with this forever. I mean, I'm just the best immediately. It's like, oh, I needed to have like three good ones and then such a bad failure to go, oh, you have to work really hard. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a pretty ideal, you know, start to a career. Yeah. Uh, that's really, really, uh, thank you for sharing that story. That's uh, <laughs> that's one thing comics don't really mind admitting that they've bombed, right? Like I've met a few comics who have lied and said they've never bombed and that's pretty weird to me. Um Oh, those Every are the ones that you know have bombed the worst. Yeah. <laughs> who, can't, who can't accept who can't accept being unfunny sometimes? I you mean, just, of course. So I guess what I want to know is what where what is your relationship with comedy right now? Because I'm really struggling because I I've avoided doing Zoom comedy, but I think is this is am I being a bad one of those bad comics now that's like not working on their craft, or is it really a totally different what's your opinion is it a totally different thing altogether is it not even really stand up uh i quite like it to be honest but i'll explain why essentially the way i see the zoom gigs the zoom gigs to me the fact that comedians are doing them tells me that this whole thing was never about the audience 
it was always about us, right? We, we, it doesn't matter if you're there. If we need to monologue to someone that isn't our partner who can't hear our voice anymore. That's what it feels like, the Zoom gigs. But I quite like them. So there's, uh, there's two types, which are now a lot of people have figured out how to use the technology so that there's a front row um, who can laugh and you get the feedback and the delay isn't bad and it's, the atmosphere is pretty good. And, you know, there's these gigs with a lot of regulars that come back and they make it really fun. Uh, and there's some that are just you monologuing and you don't even see the audience. You're not aware of the audience. They're watching it completely behind closed doors. Both of those I'm fine with. Um, a lot of comics don't like the monologuing one because they feel insane, but that suits me down to the ground. I mean, <laughs> if I could do stand up and the audience weren't there, generally, I would. I mean, that would be the dream. <laughs> just just shut up, stay out of it, listen to these words and then type, ha ha, what a genius. That's all, that's all that we need. So Twitch is the perfect platform. I was going to say, because <laughs> right? yeah. when you're streaming poker there, okay, yes, you've got the chat, but more or less it's a one-way street, right? You're the one with the microphone. You're the one talking to the audience. I mean, do you think that will just be a diversion until things get back to normal? Or now you've started, do you think you might, even if it's not that regularly, continue streaming poker online? Yeah, I was thinking this. It depends, I think. I, I think I'll struggle to keep up a, a schedule. So right now I'm doing yeah. Monday nights is the sofa poker stream. Um, I, I think I would struggle to be able to do that when uh, stand-up returns just because, you know, things get moved around and you've got to go and do sets. But I probably will carry on. I, I mean, one of the reasons I started is because this house I've moved into has a um, like a garden office shed type situation that is essentially the perfect Twitch HQ. I mean, there couldn't be a more perfect venue for me to go in there and scream about um, bad beats. So I uh, just shouting the river from my shed out there <laughs> would be, as some, to a passerby, <laughs> one of the bleakest, but it's so perfect. So I, right now I'm just setting it up, but I think I, I, given how ideal it is to do, you know, any kind of homework type stuff from podcast recordings to streaming, I will, I will almost definitely continue in some capacity, but it will, yeah, almost definitely be, um, not scheduled in the yeah. way it is now. Yeah. And, and when stand-up comes back full force, what, uh, what are your objectives there? Just to continue touring? Do you, is Breaking America something that still is appealing uh, to a British comic? Netflix, that kind of thing. <laughs> what, uh, what's, uh, what's next on your to-do list there? Uh, I have a tour I was three quarters of the way through that I need to finish. Uh, although... <laughs> in you know, England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, so I was... I was really nearly done. We had, I had like 12 shows left and I'd done so much of it. And then I was glad it stopped because it was starting to be a case where um, people who had tickets weren't turning up because they didn't want to be yeah. near people, which is absolutely fair enough. And I don't, but I don't mind how many people are there as long as I know how many people are going to be there. You just it's mind you refunds. Out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's when you walk out and it's like, Oh, right. It's not what you're expecting is that throws me. Um, so it was sort of like, okay, it's good that it's, we've stopped it for now, but I thought that would be a month kind of like everyone else did. And uh, you know, I'm not sure how much the, I mean, it'd be interesting to see whether the jokes I had, you know, hold up in a world where everyone's opinion of everything has changed forever. Yeah. So who knows if me being angry at tiny little things is now people are just like, come on, mate, we've been through a lot. Um, but I'm going to finish that. Uh, but I mean, to be fair, people think that anyway, when I talk, it's like, oh, he's banging on about that. He's banging on about his shed. Come on, mate. There's stuff going on here. Um, so I, uh, I'm going to finish that tour. And then, um, yeah, I mean, long term, I, America 
is certainly something that appeals to I presume everyone. All British comics want to break America, want to do Netflix specials and stuff like that. Uh, very hard to get those things, but you know, I'll try. I'll keep. I'll keep trying. I'll win enough poker money that I can just buy Netflix. That's the <laughs> gonna, plan, really. That's, long that's the sofa guy. Of course, give him a special. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. look, people who lip sync get Netflix specials now. So someone with you know actual oh, jokes. I know. Don't get me started on that, mate. <laughs> this is going out. I look. I tr- I try not to be too much of a hater, but even that, I'm like, what? I, yeah. The, the lip syncer. Okay. So. It's tradition. James, you got anything else for uh, for Reese James before we get into my dumb game? No, and it's interesting, Joe, that your game is based on the observation that, that Reese, you do have two first names. Um, and that's something sure. that I've always found is very common amongst both hairdressers and radio DJs. You absolutely could be <laughs> a commercial radio DJ because you've got the perfect two first names and two first syllables. So it fits in all those jingles. Reese James, it would, it, it, honestly, it, that, that, that is an avenue you should definitely explore. Oh. Maybe that's what I should pivot into that. I've also got a microphone. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's all ready. I've got the shed. I've, I've broadcast live from do the you, shed. Do you say it's 8.55 a.m. or do you say it's five minutes till the top of the hour? <laughs> you got to learn how to say yeah, it. As long as I, get, I need a sound effect board, don't I? I oh, need absolutely. A <laughs> yeah, you got you to round up some of the others to be your morning zoo because, you know, that's, that's, that's where it's at. <laughs> All right, so it's tradition on this show that all the guests are subjected to one of my dumb games. Now, it looks like your your name has been a slight change from Reese Jones, uh, which I assume is because there's only one or two million other Reese Joneses out there, um, only of which probably five or six hundred are stand-up comedians. Um, but this, for the purposes of today's show, is called the Reese James Two First Names Game, and it is a trivia quiz, multiple choice, about various people in the world who have two first names. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Question number one. According to the very perfunctory internet search I performed, where is the first known utterance of the phrase, never trust a man with two first names? Is it from Mystery Science Theater 3000? Is it from The Simpsons? Is it from William Shakespeare's The Tempest? Or is it from your mom? (laughs) Oh, if my name actually was Reese James, that would be such a brutal thing for my mom to say. But, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to call me that and then say that, unbelievable. Uh, well, I don't think it's Shakespeare because, um, you know, Shakespeare to me is not a very surname guy. I mean, you know, he's, he's pretty one name monikers in a lot of his characters. And, uh, or Capula isn't exactly a first name, is it? So, <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to think, it seems like a Simpsons. It seems like a Simpsons quote, but I can't think of a fir- two first name Simpsons character. But I will, I'll risk it and go for The Simpsons. I think The Simpsons was the smart answer, but it was the incorrect answer. Mystery Science Theater 3000 ah. was the the earliest known appearance of that phrase. That's the toughest question I'll have you know. That was that was my favorite one because I'm a huge fan of MST. Oh, don't worry. So I don't mind. I don't mind um, not doing well on this quiz. Are you sure don't it won't? You don't, it need won't. To, you don't need to just. You don't need to make me feel better. I'm, Sometimes I'm quite... I feel really bad when people take the quiz. It okay, would question be number an two. Anomaly if you did well, because the whole point of these stupid games is that no one comes out a winner, especially not the audience. <laughs> Great. Okay. Question number two: This two first name piano tickler called Elton John performs songs about people with the first names Daniel, Benny, and Levon, but at birth he was given three first names. What were they? Is it Reginald Kenneth Dwight, Leonard Cornelius John, 
Henry Trenton Al Herbert or Alvin Simon Theodore? Uh, it was Reginald Kenneth Dwight. Reginald Kenneth Dwight is correct. Question number three. What was the signature finishing move of the two first named wrestler Steve Austin? Was it the beer cracker, the stone cold stunner, the backhand brain buster, or the gentle hug? <laughs> Um, he did do the beer thing. He did crush two cans of beer and on the turnbuckle. Um, yeah, I know the words, and he'd pull them into his mouth, but his finishing move was the Stone Cold Stunner. That is correct. We are two for three now. Question number four. Which of the following superheroes' alter egos is not two first names? Is it Superman, Peter Parker, Two-Face, or Rogue? Whoops, I meant to write Spider-Man, um, not Peter Parker. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Bit of a giveaway there. Um, what, were the, what were the last two options again? Two-Face and Rogue. I don't even know is, okay, what Rogue's if, alter if ego is. Two-Face is called what I think he is. It, I think Two-Face's name is Harvey Dent, and I don't think you yes. could argue that Dent is a um, first name. So I think the answer is Two-Face. You cannot argue that Dent is a first name. You are correct. Uh, Dear, for four so far. dear Pokestars, in addition to screwing up the Spider-Man option, Joe Stapleton <laughs> had Two-Face as an option, and Two-Face is not a superhero, he is a supervillain. <laughs> oh, there you go, that's right. Uh, I really, question. Oh, really no, botched that fucking question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> number five. Do you question get those kind of complaints on this show? Only from Not me. on this show, but on other things that we do, yes. Like, if it's a live stream, especially if there's a prize attached to it, we get all kinds of fucking dumb shit written to us. Okay, question <laughs> number five. <laughs> Sir Edmund Hillary not only has two first names, but his claim to fame is also an example of nominative determinism. What is his claim to fame? Is it... He was responsible for flattening the hills that make up the Los Angeles freeway system. He was New Zealand's most hilarious comedian in the 1950s. <laughs> he climbed Mount Everest, or he served as Undersecretary of State for Hillary Clinton. Uh, he climbed Mount Everest. Climbed Mount Everest is correct. Very much the winning the Hot 33 of uh, <laughs> real life. <laughs> Question number six of seven. Which of the following was not penned by two first-named poet T.S. Eliot, Thomas Eliot? Was it Ash Wednesday, The Hollow Men, Purple Rain, or The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock? Well, I was ready to guess the first two, but uh, <laughs> thank God for that sweet third option. Purple Rain, please. Purple Rain is correct. You, you have to understand that when I was like, this kid has been a stand-up comic since he was like 18 years old, he could be a complete idiot. <laughs> so I had to make <laughs> some questions super easy because yeah, I got to tell you, when we have poker players on who have been successful since 18, one of them didn't know that Ireland was an island. So sometimes yeah, okay. we have to I, make yeah, things. Yeah, I do respect that it's like, oh, you, you've been doing stand-up pretty much non-stop since you were 17. So you've had zero experiences and Correct. accrued no information. And then after I wrote this quiz... This will work in this context and this won't. That's all I know and how wh what service stations are the best. Correct. That's all I've learned. 
I, I, after this, I watched your uh, Remain special, and then I was like, okay, clearly this guy has has learned some things about the world and I realized <laughs> that some of them might be too easy. Final question here. Which two first-named author created the detective character known as Poirot? Was it James Joyce, Jane Austen, C.S. Lewis, or Agatha Christie? Uh, here, after all that, all that hubris about, no, I am really smart, <laughs> is where I come <laughs> crashing down. I mean, I'm pretty sure, for some, I mean, this is just one of those doubting my instinct. I mean, it's Agatha Christie, right? Am I Agatha insane? Christie is correct. Yeah, yeah. You went six for seven, which I think is as good a score as anyone has ever gotten on one of yes. my dumb quizzes. It is certainly Reece a majority James, score. It has been a pleasure. It is a yeah. winning score. Yes, thank you so much, Reese, for coming on the show. We've got the super fan standing by. So there's another quiz just around the corner. But yes, really appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, thank you so much. I've been listening to both of your voices for centuries. Ah, it feels excellent. like. And, so uh, sorry. It's just so nice to have them speak directly to me for the first time <laughs> ever. Cool, man. Great meeting you. I'll see you around. I hope to catch one of your shows sometime. Likewise, when the when you eventually lift your curse on the Edinburgh Fringe, I'll be there. Thanks, buddy. This week's super fan is Haysom Abu Zaid. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? Hi, Haysom. Hey, Joe. What's up? What's happening, buddy? Where Where are we talking to you from? Um, I live in Las Vegas right now. It's been, yeah, I've been living here for a year now. You picked a great year to move to Las Vegas, huh? It's the worst. I I moved I moved March 14, oh, and every God. and everything shut down March 17. It was sucks. Yeah. Did you get two days in of doing Vegas things, or did you miss that very I, short window? <laughs> yeah, I stayed in a hotel for a day or two, two days, and then they said, "Nope, that's it. Gotta go." But I have oh, an apartment man. and everything because my wife was. Um, she have um she's going to nursing school. She got accepted here in nursing school, so we moved here for that reason. But it was it was sucks. I had friends in in nursing programs at that time, and they shut them down. Was she able to continue her schooling? Everything was online at this time. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And now is she out there fighting the fight? She is. She's doing a great job, actually. They're they're actually they're about to go back in campus next month. Excellent. Good yeah. news. And what about you? What uh, what do you do while your wife's in school? Uh, since everything shut down, the only thing I could have done is the food delivery thing. You yeah. know, DoorDash, Uber Eat, and all that. Yeah. And that's that's how I start listening to you guys because I was bored in the car, <laughs> just driving with nobody. So I start. Cause I I know you guys for a long time watching EBT on YouTube, and I used to. Sometimes wake up and watch you guys live. That was like maybe 2012, 2011. Wow, that's going back. Oh yeah. So well, we give a lot of uh, a lot of credit on this show and lots of other places to people like frontline workers and first responders. But the people who are out there still risking their health and stuff to deliver food to folks during the pandemic very important. So thanks for doing that. I remember being incredibly grateful for those folks. I hope people tipped you well uh, while this was going on and in the future. Uh, this was something that I I I said to myself uh, during this time. If you can't. If, to me personally, if you cannot afford to leave a big chunky tip for this person, then stop having food delivered because 
this is this is kind of fucked up what's going on right now. So hopefully you've had some some generous people along the way. There was, of course, there was. It's um, it just I was I have two kids. They're under three years old, and I was super worried to yeah. go outside and do all this at this time out because nobody yeah. was know what's going on, how this virus is going on, how it works. So I was really worried, but I was super careful. But I have to do what I have to do. Yeah. I mean, obviously, what, what we're all looking now, hoping that the end is in sight and, and hoping that, you know, your life can return to some sense of normality and that maybe finally you can enjoy some of the attractions, shall we say, that Vegas has to offer as a city, especially <laughs> yeah. to a poker fan, right? That's true. That's very true. Well, uh, when so when Vegas is going again, are you a poker player? Will you be? Is that something you're looking forward to is to get would, out? I would love to, but it's kind of hard to be a professional poker player. Well, while, while, you know, having two kids, Yeah. but I, uh, I do it. I do it on the side. I'm, sure. I think I'm an okay player. I'm not great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think self-awareness is something that so many people battle with. Everyone likes to think they're the greatest. Everyone likes to think they can play at the highest level. So if you have a realistic appraisal of your skill set, that's a, a, a good point to start with. Um, I, I should say, by the way, that I'm glad that we alleviated your boredom. And that's what we're here to do. That's the purpose of this podcast, just to divert people for an hour or so. Uh, Obviously, pop culture, a huge part of this show, as you know, and it is a movie that you have selected as your specialist subject. We're going 90s action. We're going John Travolta, Nick Cage, over the top in every single way. It is face slash off. Yes. <laughs> oh, I never realized you were supposed to pronounce the slash. You're not. I'm just being pedantic. <laughs> Well, the good news, Heism, is that uh, I did not have a chance to rewatch this movie. The bad news is this uh, I saw this during an era where I saw every movie multiple times. And uh, for some reason, anything I saw before the age of 21 or 22, probably because of alcohol, uh, is, is more locked into my memory than most other things. So I like your chances, but I don't th I think it's going to be close. I don't know about clothes. I've been watching this movie for the last two days. Okay. Wow. okay. All right. Okay. We want you to crush. And obviously being in the state of Nevada, sadly, a Sunday million ticket isn't really an option, but we do have plenty of Pokestar swag, and I'm sure we'll sort you out with some prizes should you be victorious. You know the format. You know the rules. Uh, ten questions compiled by Patrick. Uh, please give me a number between one and ten, Heisen. Always coming seven, baby. Always coming seven. What was the weapon that finally killed Caster as Sean? And we have to kind of specify who is who here. So this is Caster as Sean. What was the weapon that killed him? I think it was, you know, because it's face-off, we should refer to whose dick and balls it is. <laughs> it's going to so be it's, confusing. So it's, it's Caster's dick and balls with Sean's face, right? Yes. Okay. What was the weapon that killed him? Multiple um, choice options are available. I know what it is, but it's like an arrow thing. I'll use the options. Okay. Is it a spear gun, a golden pistol, a knife, or a sword? Spear gun. It is a spear gun, a.k.a. a harpoon, and you get one point. Uh, Joe, <laughs> gun. any number other than seven? Let's see, this movie's from 1998, right? Seven. 
99. Yep. All right, it's already picked number seven. Anyway, I'll go with eight. <laughs> okay, N nice try. But actually, you've landed on what I think is a very easy question. You don't even need to have seen the film to oh. get this. Who directed Face Off? Uh, I'll take the choices. Oh, Joe. Is it Randall Kleiser, John Woo, Nick Cazavetes, or Barry Sonnenfeld? John Woo. It is John Woo, and we have a tied game at one point each. The next question goes to our superfan. Seven and eight have gone. Four, please. Question number four. What is the name of Caster's brother? Uh, Pullux. Troy. It is indeed for two points. And there is a bonus attached here. Ooh. What did Caster always do for Pollux? Tie his shoes. <laughs> Correct. That's what I would have gotten. For the bonus <laughs> points. All of those. Damn it. Okay. Joe, your next question. Uh, just give me the lowest number one, I think. Number one. Uh, what was the name of Sean Archer's son? I'll need the choices. Michael, Will, Adam or Tommy? Michael. It was Michael, so you do get a point. There's no way you're going to get this bonus question, but just go for it, all right? Yeah. When was Michael's birthday? And I want day, date, and year. <laughs> uh, it was June 5th, 1995. Uh, none of those things was correct. Uh, 19th of October, 1986 was the answer. And Heisem, you're up. Two, three, five, six, nine, or ten? Ten, please. Question number ten. Which city is the film set in? Um, Los Angeles. The City of the Angels. That is worth two points. You now have six. Joe, you are way behind now. What number would you like? Uh, I'll take number six. Question number six. What blood type was Caster Troy? I might as well just take a... Oh, but what if I guess something that isn't an option? I feel like I got a gamble here. I'm going to go with O negative. The answer was actually A, B. Uh, no bonus, though, for you to steal there, Heisen, but it is your question. Two, three, five, or nine? Two, please. Question two. Where is Sean's bullet wound scar? In his chest. It is his chest for another two Okay, well, points. I was not only... I was very wrong about not going to get beat very badly here. This is... <laughs> This is over. <laughs> You're going to get destroyed. Uh, okay, well, just... <laughs> what does it matter? Just pick a question. Okay, okay. Uh, what is the name of the prison that Sean, as caster, is sent to? Is it just called... I'm just thinking out loud here for a second. Okay. Is it just called Supermax? I feel like it might... I'll take the choices just so I can... Is it called... Tiberia, Erewhon, Aragon, or Orwal? Boy, um, uh, you would think that the two similar sounding ones, that it would be one of those, right? But I want to go with Tiberian. I'm going to say Tiberian. It was Erewhon, which, Erewhon. hashtag fun fact, is an anagram of nowhere. So, oh, I remember that now from the time. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, rewatching the movie might have helped. Five or nine for your final question. It was five. Question number five. Where does Sean, as Caster, first meet Caster as Sean? In the prison. Everyone prison. In the prison for two points. And Joe, your final question. Question nine. What is the name of Sean's wife? Catherine. You don't want to take the options? Nope. Okay, the answer was Eve. And that means there's a chance for our superfan to score even more points that he doesn't actually need because you steal the bonus, Heisem. Why <laughs> did she have to go to the doctor on their first date? Oh, um... Oh, man, he told her that story. Um... I forgot. She chipped her tooth. I really wouldn't sweat it. It was oh. already a shellacking. <laughs> 10 points to two is the final score. So congratulations. You are a winner. And that means we are going to sort you out with some swag from the PokerStars store. Thank you very much thank for taking the time you, to come on the you. show this week. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Good to meet you, Heisman. Here's to better days, buddy. Thank you. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up on next week's show, you've, you've heard it throughout. We got more Sunday Million. That's on Monday. We got more Retro. That's on Tuesday. I was going to say maybe there's going to be something else we can talk about, but I think that maybe is going to be a maybe next week. Well, here's the thing. I've thought of something else that we can talk about right now that's going to be happening on Friday, the 19th of March another special one-off live stream. I think people are going to like this, Joe. So we put together, okay. I think, a pretty awesome commentary team for when we did Stadium Series, when we did WCOOP, when we did EPT Online, and when we did Blowout Series. And they're faces that people have come to know and love, both in real form and in animated form. How about the six members of the PokerStars live stream team come together to actually play poker against each other in a tournament I call the Commentator Showdown. So just to be wow. clear, that is myself and my bearded friend here, joined by Sam Grafton, Griffin Benger, Maria Ho, and Nick Walsh. The six of us are going to be playing for charity in a six-max game with rebuys should take about two hours and we're going to stream it live and cards up from the PokerStars Arena on Friday, the 19th of March. And that's going to be at our usual go time, which is 6.30 UK, 7.30 Central European time. I think it's going to be 2.30 in the afternoon Eastern because we've got that weird week, which drives me nuts, <laughs> where America changed its clocks, but we're still waiting for Europe to do the same. So there's, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but they currently have legislation going that they're going to try to make daylight savings time permanent. And I hope the that same, that the same in Europe. Okay, so maybe this will be the last year we have to deal with one or two weeks of a seven-hour time difference. Or is it nine hours? It doesn't matter. I'm excited for this. Question, who's doing commentary over it? Well, that's the thing, Joe. I guess we kind of have to hold the thing together. We have to be the hosts of the game in addition to players in the game. And look, I guess a lot of the chat 
is going to be inconsequential to the actual poker being played. But I'd like to think that our sensors are tuned enough that if we know there's a big hand going on, we can STFU and focus on what's happening. But of course, from our perspective, we're only going to be seeing our own whole cards, right? But the yeah, audience will be cards. seeing a version of the table with all of the whole cards. So, so they're seeing what we would normally be seeing 30 correct. minutes after we see it. Correct. Awesome. Loving it. Loving it. Very excited for that. Can't wait for whatever bad beat story I get. Um, guys, we told you before, once again, wrapping things up here, hashtag P-I-T-E for to be a super fan, to ask us a question, one question, if you want to run a mock, if you want to suggest folks from the APPT or LAPT or anywhere else to be guests on Poker in the Ears. Use that hashtag, P-I-T-E. Do not forget to like and subscribe and comment on this show. We have got a big year coming up. We could use the boost. For now, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Later.